Chapter 7, Part 2 of The Life of Clara Barton, Volume 2 by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 7, Part 2 The Years of Lonely Struggle To Miss Clara Barton, Dansville, Livingston County, New York, Miss Barton and Worthy Friend according to my promise i write to you after having seen mr moignet although i have nothing very new to tell you and have only to confirm what i have written to you in detail i can therefore be brief this second time mr moignet and myself are equally sympathetic to your plan and we shall be happy if you succeed in founding in america a permanent work of the red cross and we shall help you in it with our influence to the extent of our power mr moignet has written me that he has already told you so he has added to his communication a suggestion which indeed is very important i e that you obtain from the government of the united states the signing of the convention of geneva which has already been done by all our other civilized states in Europe and out of Europe. Without this signature, the private work of the Red Cross is paralyzed. Here is an example of what has very recently taken place in Montenegro, of which we have asked the signature before putting ourselves in relation with it, and before sending it to our three delegates with help for their wounded all succeeded very well and montenegro has entered eagerly into the general alliance of the convention of geneva it will be the same with america we will hope which has remained back until now but in order to ensure its success it will probably be necessary to make a summary communication to the government what the convention of geneva is its destiny and what the Red Cross is. You will find all the desirable details upon this point in the pamphlets or works which Monsieur Moignet mentions or sends to you. It will be necessary that some person take cognizance of this work with you and assist you in it. The Red Cross has existed since 1863. Since then, it has given birth to an entire new literature, so as to make by itself a real library. And now, my worthy friend, go on courageously with faith and hope. The cause is good, let us defend it everywhere, and let us be firm in upholding the banner of charity. It will be ever the surest means of combating the principle of war." write to me when you have done something with or without translation. My previous letter will give you all the details of my manner of viewing it. As to our participation in your sending of secours, I think with Mr. Moynier that it would be better that we offer our cooperation directly when we succeed this time in founding an international agency as formerly in eighteen seventy we have founded one in basel which has been very active and useful and consequently if you have any substance or provisions to send it would be better that you send it directly 
besides we shall always be at your service to help and advise you and we shall be very glad to be kept informed what you are doing and we shall publish your work in our tri-monthly bulletin i could not see again mr moignet but i know he has nothing important to add to what i say and to what he has already written to you i believe therefore you have from us all the indications and information which we can give you there remains nothing else for me miss barton than to repeat my good wishes for your useful enterprise may you feel your physical strength to keep up and increase as much as your moral for the good of others and for your own satisfaction i have nothing more to add and i will not put off any longer this last letter except miss barton and worthy friend the expression of my respectful devotion lewis appia doctor rough draft of letter without date but evidently written about july first eighteen seventy seven monsieur s moignet president du comité international de la croix rouge my esteemed friend permit me to thank you as i do most sincerely for your kind and excellent letter of june twentieth and say how happy i am to find you so fully concurring with the ideas i had advanced in relation to the action to be taken in the attempted establishment of your beautiful order of the red cross in america it is unnecessary for me to assure you that i will do all that lies in my power to accomplish this end believing as i do most implicitly that every step taken toward softening and humanizing the conditions of war is a double step toward its extirpation from a place among the codes of nations this proves itself by the unfailing fact that the more barbarous a nation and the more inhuman its modes of warfare the more frequent and unmitigated its wars this conviction added to the strong desire which has grown within me to lessen the sufferings of those who must compose armies while they do exist among the nations of the earth will prove a sufficient stimulus to all the powers of my nature and i will bring to the object the fullest strength i possess and then if with your best aid i fail in my purpose i must be content to submit to the inevitable my intelligent friend and your compatriot mademoiselle kupfer has begged to add a letter to you which i am most thankful for as she can speak to you in your own tongue and with a clearness of expression which i could not i shall be very busy for the few coming hot weeks of august translating the many valuable pamphlets so kindly sent me from which i hope to gather a knowledge of the action of the society and familiarity with its spirit which may enable me to convince my government of the right and propriety of what we ask it to do the wrong and absurdity of withholding it and secure from it at least an official reply to your invitation to join the convention i will not make this communication longer excepting to repeat my thanks for your kind letter 
and the generous spirit in which it was written, and assure you of the great pleasure it will afford me to be of never so small a service in a cause so noble and holy. With assurances of the highest esteem, I remain most honored, sir, very truly, Clara Barton. Dansville, Livingston County, New York, September 27, 1877. Monsieur Moignet, President. Esteemed Sir, Your communication of the 19th of August, enclosing a letter addressed to the President of the United States, arrived in due time, and my impulse was to write at once assuring you how kind and satisfactory I found them both to be but at that moment I hoped it would be possible to see the President and present your letter very soon, and thought it better to defer my reply to you until this were accomplished, and I had some results to communicate. But you will perhaps have observed that the President and several members of his cabinet are making very extensive travels over the country this summer, and since the arrival of your letter he has never been in Washington or acting in his official capacity in any place long enough for me to reach him. We had expected an extra session of Congress to be convened on the 3rd of October, which would have ensured his presence in Washington, but even this being now uncertain, I feel that I must not longer delay my letter to you, with the assurance that it shall be my pleasure to present your letter to the President at the earliest moment in which I can reach him, and whenever this is done, I shall at once transmit to you the results as well as the nature of the interview. With kind regards to Dr. Appia, and sentiments of the highest esteem for yourself, I am very truly Clara Barton. Washington, D.C., United States, January 14, 1878. Dr. Louis Appia, Geneva, Switzerland. My esteemed friend, I feel that it is time I should tell you gentlemen of Geneva what I am doing or trying to do in America with our favorite subject of the Red Cross. But as my present letter, from the incompleteness of my work, cannot take the form of a report I will address it not to Monsieur Moignet as the President of the Convention, but familiarly to you as my friend and co-worker. I remember to have written in the autumn that I could not get an opportunity to present the letter of Monsieur Moignet to our President until his summer journeyings were ended. But when he returned to Washington in October, I came here also a distance of some four hundred miles and commenced slowly and carefully my work i found the great difficulty to consist not in the opposition i should meet at first but in the facts that no one understood the subject and there was no printed literature pertaining to it in the language familiar to the people to whom i desired to present it with the exception of our State Department, which is, of course, conversant with all languages. Thus, my only method was to translate, write and rewrite, and explain until an understanding and interest were created. 
i did not think it wise to present the letter of monsieur moignet to president hayes until the subject was somewhat understood by the parties to whom he would be compelled to refer it viz the state and war departments leading members of the bar as counsellors and some of the prominent members of congress i accordingly commenced with these parties myself explaining the subject and doing my best to create an interest and secure cooperation whenever the matter should come up for discussion or decision from congress i proceeded to the heads of departments and their assistants and gaining an audience explained the cause to them one by one the interviews were frequently very long and i have with most of them not only left a full translation of the resolutions but read them with them hearing their queries and explaining the practical working of the system as i had seen and known it when i thought i had sufficiently guarded the outposts i ventured to ask audience of the president this was only last week and presented to him the letter of monsieur moignet and a copy of the resolutions president hayes received the letter with great respect and will refer it to the secretary of state for decision i had previously found by examination at the state department that the subject had once come before our government at the time of the convention in paris and been declined by president grant and his secretary of state mr fish on the ground of danger from entangling alliances which it was a fundamental principle of our government to avoid this record stands in my way and the greatest difficulty i shall have to meet and overcome will be this previous decision if it had never been presented at all and i had thus no former decision to reverse i should hope for a comparatively easy task but formalities and courtesies stand greatly in the way of reversing or setting aside the decisions of a previous authority and especially such authority as general grant and his popular secretary mr fish this adverse decision i hold to have been the result of a hasty and improper presentation of the subject without suitable explanation and from the lack of a full understanding of the system it was considered wisdom on the part of our government to let it alone now i do not despair of success in the end for i have met only the greatest courtesy and most patient attention on the part of all officials and i promised the president that i would wait within call in order to be ready to make any explanations and answer any questions which he or the members of his cabinet might desire to ask i have no definite idea of the length of time they may hold the matter under consideration before deciding but it is so far progressed that my own attorney can probably assist me and he will arrive here in a day or two this is the honorable judge hale of the state of new york one of the best counsellors in the country and it is not only my personal attorney of many years but also a near relative i did not call him until i had thoroughly prepared the ground 
but now that the heads of the government understand the subject properly through my explanations i must wait and let them make their points of law upon it and decide one thing i am certain of that it would have been of very little use for any one to have presented the request in an ordinary manner or who had not time to spend upon it or was not willing to work for the cause with that previous refusal in the way it will require great care labor and perseverance to gain the point desired but i shall not despair until i must i regret that i have not in all this time a more certain progress to report but i thought it proper to let you know what stage of the work i am in and that all that is possible is being done it is almost three months since i left home and came here to work for this cause my health has not suffered but has held firm beyond any expectation of mine i must think this is largely due to the great kindness and friendly courtesy which has been extended to me on every hand every official person listens patiently to all i have to say and asks with the greatest kindness what i would like him to do to further my wishes or aid my cause and i know that if in the end the government refuses to sign it it will be only upon a strict point of law which it feels bound not to overstep after mature deliberation and it will be grieved to feel compelled to disappoint either the members of the convention or myself the government of so vast a country as the united states is a great body to move and in order to accomplish anything under it it is necessary that one have some knowledge of it some weight with it and an endless patience and perseverance i hope it will not be another three months before i can send some more decisive information which i shall not fail to do at the earliest moment my address while in this city will be in the care of that most worthy and estimable representative of your republic the hon john hitz consul general of switzerland whose guest i am begging pardon for so long a letter which tells so little and hoping that this finds both you and mrs appia in excellent health and with most respectful regards to monsieur moignet i remain my esteemed friend with assurances of the highest esteem truly yours clara barton armed with this authority clara barton now undertook to secure public interest in an official recognition for the red cross which existed in europe but in america had no existence whatever excepting in her dream and hope and prayer there still are extant a very few copies of the thin little pamphlet which she issued in eighteen seventy eight addressed to the people of the united states and the senators and representatives in congress it will bear quoting entire it contains the sum total of the knowledge which america had of the red cross in eighteen seventy eight the red cross of the geneva convention what it is by clara barton to the people of the united states senators and representatives in congress 
having had the honor conferred upon me of appointment by the central commission holding the geneva convention to present that treaty to this government and to take in charge the formation of a national organization according to the plan pursued by the committees working under the treaty it seems to me proper that while i ask the government to sign it the people and their representatives should be made acquainted with its origin designs methods of work etc to this end i have prepared the following statement and present it to my countrymen and women hoping they will be led to endorse and sustain a benevolence so grand in its character and already almost universal in its recognition and adoption by the civilized world clara barton washington d c what the red cross is a confederation of relief societies in different countries acting under the geneva convention carries on its work under the sign of the red cross the aim of these societies is to ameliorate the condition of wounded soldiers in the armies in campaign on land or sea the societies had their rise in the conviction of certain philanthropic men that the official sanitary service in wars is usually insufficient and that the charity of the people which at such times exhibits itself munificently should be organized for the best possible utilization an international public conference was called at geneva switzerland in eighteen sixty three which though it had not an official character brought together representatives from a number of governments at this conference a treaty was drawn up afterward remodeled and improved which twenty-five governments have signed the treaty provides for the neutrality of all sanitary supplies ambulances surgeons nurses attendants and sick or wounded men and their safe conduct when they bear the sign of the organization viz the red cross although the convention which originated the organization was necessarily international the relief societies themselves are entirely national and independent each one governing itself and making its own laws according to the genius of its nationality and needs it was necessary for recognizance and safety and for carrying out the general provisions of the treaty that a uniform badge should be agreed upon the red cross was chosen out of compliment to the swiss republic where the first convention was held and in which the central commission has its headquarters the swiss colors being a white cross on a red ground the badge chosen was these colors reversed there are no members of the red cross but only members of societies whose sign it is there is no order of the red cross the relief societies use each according to its convenience whatever methods seem best suited to prepare in times of peace for the necessities of sanitary service in times of war they gather and store gifts of money and supplies arrange hospitals ambulances methods of transportation of wounded men 
bureaus of information, correspondence, etc. All that the most ingenious philanthropy could devise and execute has been attempted in this direction. In the Franco-Prussian War, this was abundantly tested. That Prussia acknowledged its beneficence is proven by the fact that the Emperor affixed the Red Cross to the Iron Cross of Merit. Although the societies are not international, there is a tacit compact between them, arising from their common origin, identity of aim, and mutual relation to the treaty. This compact embraces four principles, viz. centralization, preparation, impartiality, and solidarity. 1. Centralization the efficiency of relief in time of war depends on unity of direction therefore in every country the relief societies have a common central head to which they send their supplies and which communicates for them with the seat of war or with the surgical military authorities and it is through this central commission they have governmental recognition two preparation it is understood that societies working under the red cross shall occupy themselves with preparatory work in times of peace this gives them a permanence they could not otherwise have three impartiality the societies of belligerent nations cannot always carry aid to their wounded countrymen who are captured by the enemy this is counterbalanced by the regulation that the aid of the Red Cross societies shall be extended alike to friend and foe. 4. Solidarity This provides that the societies of nations not engaged in war may afford aid to the sick and wounded of belligerent nations without affecting any principle of non-interference to which their governments may be pledged. This must be done through the Central Commission, and not through either of the belligerent parties. This ensures impartiality of relief that these principles are practical has been thoroughly tested during the fifteen years the red cross has existed the convention of geneva does not exist as a society but is simply a treaty under which all the relief societies of the red cross are enabled to carry on their work effectually in time of war the members and agents of the societies who go to the seat of war are obliged to have their badges viséed by the central commission and by one of the belligerents this is an order to prevent fraud thus the societies and the treaty complement each other the societies find and execute the relief the treaty affords them the immunities which enable them to execute and it may be further made a part of the raison d'etre of these national relief societies to afford ready succor and assistance to sufferers in time of national or widespread calamities such as plagues cholera yellow fever and the like devastating fires or floods railway disasters mining catastrophes etc the readiness of organizations like those of the red cross to extend help at the instant of need 
renders the aid of quadruple value and efficiency compared with that gathered hastily and irresponsibly and the bewilderment and shock which always accompanies such calamities the trained nurses and attendants subject to the relief societies in such cases would accompany the supplies sent and remain in action as long as needed organized in every state the relief societies of the red cross would be ready with money nurses and supplies to go on call to the instant relief of all who were overwhelmed by any of those sudden calamities which occasionally visit us in case of yellow fever there being an organization in every state the nurses and attendants would be first chosen from the nearest societies and being acclimated would incur far less risk to life than if sent from distant localities it is true that the government is always ready in these times of public need to furnish transportation and often does much more in the mississippi flood a few years ago it ordered rations distributed under the direction of army officers in the case of the explosion at the navy yard it voted a relief fund and in our recent affliction at the south a like course was pursued but in such cases one of the greatest difficulties is that there is no organized method of administering the relief which the government or liberal citizens are willing to bestow nor trained and acclimated nurses ready to give intelligent care to the sick or if there be organization it is hastily formed in the time of need and is therefore comparatively inefficient and wasteful it would seem to be full time that in consideration of the growth and rapidly accumulating necessities of our country we should learn to economize our charities and ensure from them the greatest possible practical benevolence although we in the united states may fondly hope to be seldom visited by the calamities of war yet the misfortunes of other nations with which we are on terms of amity appeal to our sympathies our southern coasts are periodically visited by the scourge of yellow fever the valleys of the mississippi are subject to destructive inundations the plains of the west are devastated by insects and drought and our cities and country are swept by consuming fires in all such cases to gather and dispense the profuse liberality of our people without waste of time or material requires the wisdom that comes of experience and permanent organization still more does it concern if not our safety at least our honor to signify our approval of those principles of humanity acknowledged by every other civilized nation End of chapter 7, part 2